Hello and welcome to episode 120 of The Pen Addict on Relay FM. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace, where a better web starts with your website, and Pen Chalet, great deals on high-quality pens of a 100% satisfaction guarantee. The Pen Addict is a weekly show where we discuss pens, paper, and the analog tools that we love so dearly. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Brad Dowdy. You hanging in there, Mike? Oh, it's late for you tonight, isn't it? I'm doing what I can. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, so basically, we're recording this episode uh, right on the tail of last week's episode. Hence, while there'll be no follow-up except maybe this one item, uh, I have to apologize that I did not do the usual uh, intro for the episode last week. I realized as I was just saying it then. <laughs> and that's no problem. simply unacceptable to not say pens, paper, and other tools are so dearly. Well, well, we'll let you off the hook because it's a busy day it's a busy week and we're getting ahead of the game because we will continue to be busy um when this show actually goes live on monday um so yeah it's uh you we'll let you off the hook on this one so what we're going to do today michael is something as the official show mascot kanuni renishin just posted in the chat is it's long overdue we're going to do a little bit of fountain pen 101 today and Interestingly, yes, it is potentially long overdue. However, you wouldn't have been able to do it before now, I don't think. I think that is a fair point. And we've talked about the progression of both of our learning about fountain pens over these past couple of years that we've been doing this show. And we certainly covered these topics as one-off type of things as we've gone, oh my God, that really exists, or wow, you can do that, and as we've learned through these things, and now we've kind of got a collection of, I won't say a collection, but a baseline of knowledge. It's certainly not an all-encompassing knowledge base. Um, I certainly don't profess to know everything, and I will certainly make mistakes as we go through this, and that's why I love all of our listeners so much, because they just want to... um, you know, help me correct those things or show me new things or help me uh, learn about other things. So it's it's awesome to get the feedback from the listeners on topics like this. And as we've gained more listeners and a bigger following on the blog, I get more and more questions just about the very, very basics of fountain pen usage. And that's what we're going to try to cover today. We're not yep. going to get too deep into this. We're going to cover like the super basics, like when you're going to buy your first fountain pen, what do you need to know? And then what do you need to know after you've made that purchase? So that's kind of the emphasis for today. So if you're a pen addict who has thus far resisted from buying a fountain pen, I hope that today we're able to uh, push you over the edge with that a little bit and uh, set you on the right path. Yeah, I think so. So uh, let's get into it. What do you what do you think? I think we should just go for it. All right, so we're going to start with what I think is the most important aspect of the pen, of the fountain pen, and that's the nib. Um, That's what you're writing with. That's the part that's touching the paper. That's the part that's transferring the ink onto the page. Um, That's the part that a lot of people think looks the coolest um, when they have a fountain pen, or for people who don't have fountain pens, think looks the scariest, right? How do I write with this thing? So we're going to cover a lot of like glossary type terms. And so, you know, if you're in the chat room listening to this or Mike, if you 
catch me, you know, going off off the rails or or misstepping, um, let me know and uh, we'll fix it up. But I want to cover just some very basic things, you know, with the nib. The design of the nib is made so the ink flows out of a specific point at the tip of the nib. So that tip has, um, you'll see if you're looking at a fountain pen nib, most of them, if you're looking at a standard fountain pen nib, you'll see that there is a little bit of extra material on the end of the tip of the nib. That's called the tipping. That's what, um, it's a little bit of a rounded part. That's what makes the writing smooth on the page. So you can write in all different directions with the fountain pen. Now there are exceptions to this, and we're going to talk about the different types of nibs and different sizes and things like that. But in general, when you're looking at a fountain pen nib, you'll see kind of almost like a little ball on the end. That's called the tipping on the end. That's the part that actually touches the page. Then you'll see a line on the nib. It's like a slit that actually bisects that tipping. And that's called the slit. And those two different sides are called the tines. So there's a left side of the nib and a right side of the nib. And you'll hear us referring to the tines a lot. Um, like in Mike and I's case, we've both had pins where those tines have been misaligned. So if you're new to fountain pens and you get a, your first fountain pen and you think it's right, it's writing scratchy, it might have a misalignment in the tines. So it kind of, uh, one side will grab the paper more than the other side. And I just want to let everyone know who's listening. Um, so you have a visual. I'm actually holding a fountain pen <laughs> as I do this. And I'm like, I have like this magic, uh, like Mr. Rogers thing going on where I'm like showing it to the screen, even though no one's watching me. <laughs> I, I couldn't do this empty handed. So uh, when you I, were explaining the, the tines, I, I grabbed my Lamy 2000 and started <laughs> looking at it. I was like, oh, yes, he's, he's right. <laughs> so and, and I'll, I'll tell you what pen I'm using uh, in a little bit. Hmm. So. Behind the nib, so the nib is just is really a thin piece of metal. It can be steel, it can be gold. We'll talk about more of that in the middle. But behind that nib, um, you'll see generally a piece of plastic. It could be made of other materials, but it's called the feed. And what the feed does is actually goes up. It's behind the nib. It goes up into the grip section of the pen. And that's actually what tr helps transfer the ink in a manageable way from whatever ink filling system you'll use. And we're going to cover that too. You know, whether it's a cartridge or a converter or an eyedropper, um, it's going to help manage the flow of ink from the ink reservoir into the nib of the pen and out the tip of the pen. So you get a smooth, consistent writing experience. So the ink's not gushing out. It's metered um, so you can write normally. And um, it, it just helps the, um, helps the ink flow. Do you know why... Like um, on some pens, like maybe all of them, but you can see it on like demonstrator pens, why the feed has like those slots in it. Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I should have I should have uh, managed that because you can have a solid feed, which you'll see in a lot of vintage pens. Um, and then modern pens like Lamy use a solid feed on a lot of their pens. And some of them use like this fanned out um looking feed so that is a good follow-up topic that uh i will make a note of and see if i can get a clear answer i'll let you know um, if I'd... anyone in the chat room comes up with it okay for sure um so on the exterior of the pen where you grip the pen i always called it the grip 
um, when I first started, you know, talking about pins. It makes a lot of sense. Where you grip the pin, it's called the grip. It's actually called the section. I don't know why that term. I prefer is, grip. It's called. I actually have gone to calling it the grip section. So it kind of uh, kills two birds with one stone. Good idea. But because um, the section generally... could mean anything, couldn't it? It could. It could, but I think it's it's due to a part that's usually removable, um, and so I don't know if that's where the term originated from. So it's like a section of the pin, but it's actually the the grip section. And you know, I'll, in the chat room, let me go ahead and say this now: we're going to have in the show notes some good references, some good reference pages to this. And certainly, these gentlemen know more. Uh, about these topics than I do, and I've learned a lot from reading their sites and watching their videos. But we'll have a link to um, Brian Goulet from Goulet Pins. He's got a fountain of knowledge um, on their website, which links to a lot of Fountain Pen 101 videos, a lot of learning, um, a lot of uh, good, good reference material, and also uh, Richard Bender at Richard's Pins. He has a huge index that I use. Um, th- his glossary is pretty much all encompassing. So I reference it a lot if I have a question on something that I haven't heard of before. Um, That's where I was able to read up on his Italifine nib uh, as as an example. So you can uh, check those links in the show notes. Where are those show notes at, Mike? Relay.fm slash penaddict slash 120. Yes. So all the things I'm talking about today you can learn even more from going to those two sites, watching their videos, and um, they do a really, really excellent job and much more thorough than I'll be able to do on the podcast today. And plus, like Brian Goulet's got videos where he can actually show you these things. So beyond the grip, um, you start, you run into the barrel, the the, whole, the meat of the pen, basically. Um, barrels can be all different shapes, all different sizes, all different materials. Um, a lot of them, I'd say the majority of them, are some type of plastic, resin, acrylic material. Um, then you get into just other materials like ebonite and just other other more expensive, harder-to-work-with materials that uh, pens are, are made from. And one of my favorite barrel styles is a demonstrator barrel. Um, and I was actually asked by Andy Welfley this week on of the erasable podcast you said he said you said something about a demonstrator barrel last week what does that even mean well a demonstrator was an old way for um pen manufacturers to show the inner workings of the pen and it was actually just meant for demonstration purposes so you know back in the early 1900s these pen vendors would show have a clear barrel pen where you could see all the mechanics inside the pen well it turns out People wanted to purchase that, and that became a thing. So that's what a demonstrator pin is, and that that name just kind of sticks today as basically a translucent barrel pin, something that's see through. It's something that it's a style that I enjoy very, very much. I think a lot of people like demonstrators to show off their colored inks. Yeah, that's a, well. it's a it's a huge deal for how it looks. I mean, and you know, we're not just talking about clear barrels here too. I mean, you can get a demonstrator in pretty much any color under the sun. Uh, green, yellow, blue, red, anything. It's its become a real popular thing, and I think it's, you're exactly right. I think it is because a lot of people want to show off the inks that they use, and um, I certainly enjoy them. I just I think it's a good look. <clears throat> so inside the barrel is where your ink system is going to be, and that can be a wide range of things, and we're going to talk about, we're going to elaborate that on a little, uh, 
on that topic a little bit more later, but just in general, that's where your cartridge is going to go. Um, that's where your converter is going to go for filling ink from a bottle. Um, you can have a piston filling system, and we'll dig into all this a little bit later. You can have an eyedropper, all of that. That's going to go inside your barrel. So um, that's that's pretty much the that's a that's a big consideration when you're buying a pen. What type of ink filling system? you want to go with. And we'll talk about that more in a second. Then with the pen, you have your cap, which um, you know, pretty much all fountain pens these days are capped, but you have your rare exceptions like the Pilot Vanishing Point or the Lamy Dialogue 3 um, that are retractable fountain pens. But generally most pens are gonna have a cap. Um, most pens are gonna have most fountain pens are gonna have a clip. Um, there's definitely some that don't. Um, I like I have a uh, a couple that do not have a clip that I like. I enjoy using them. You'll find your smaller pens like uh, the Kaweco AL Sport. They don't come with a clip because they want to want you to be able to slide slide them into your pocket. But they have an optional accessory where you can buy a clip to add onto that. And then you'll hear me use the word furniture a lot. That's just the general um, color of the. Um, the clip or any the, sort of like band which might go around the pen yeah Some, or the nib yeah the, basically all the accessory type features of mm -hmm. the pen they're generally all the same color whether it be gold silver you know all the plating um all the rings around the barrel um anything you know on the nib um i i use the word furniture a lot it's just kind of a catch-all term for all the all the bling <laughs> on the pen um like I say, I like silver furniture primarily in my pens. All right, so nib sizes and types. I think most people are familiar with steel nibs and gold nibs. But what most people want to know is, should I buy a gold nib? What's the difference between a steel and gold nib? Is it worth the money uh, cost differential between a steel and gold nib? The, the primary difference is you're going to get a slightly more flexible nib with gold and i don't want you to think it's a flex nib at all you can just feel the tiniest tiniest bit of difference um it almost it's like the nib feels softer on the page than a steel nib which will generally feel firmer um these are not hard fast rules you can get some yep. very firm gold nibs you can get some softer steel nibs but in general that's what you're going to experience i've found that with gold nibs the ink flows more freely um, which I like. I, I think that gold nibs are really good if you like a medium, um, mm -hmm. or you know, or even if you you are a person who likes to write with fine but likes a smooth line or a, a more wet line, then gold is probably a, a good option for you. However, it's expensive. It is expensive. Um, I and I definitely agree with your assessment. I find gold nibs to have better ink flow and maybe be a little bit smoother, but there's some awfully smooth steel, steel nibs out there on the market too. Um, the price difference, you're probably looking, just a general rule of thumb, gold nibs will cost about $100 to $125 more than a steel nib. If you're looking at the same exact pen and you have an option for steel or gold, it's going to be in that $100 range for a difference. A lot of times, I don't think it's worth it. I have steel nibs that I just love. Um, and I've steel nibs never stop me from buying a pen put it that way um you can get some really really quality steel pens 
uh, steel nib pens. Oh, for really sure. I mean, quality. if you ever heard me talk about how you know all the fountain pens that I love, I think I have one pen of a gold nib, mm-hmm. um, which is my Pelican. And you know, yeah. so it doesn't necessarily mean that to have a a, a great. Yeah, you know, when I when I'm choosing a pen out of my collection to use and to ink up, I never go. Well, I'm gonna get this one because it's a gold pen, gold nib pen, or I'm gonna use this one because it's a steel nib pen. I always pick it because I know how well it writes. It doesn't almost the nib material almost doesn't make a difference to me. But some people, you know, swear by gold nibs, others swear by steel nibs. So there's some thought to put in there, but really steel nibs are legitimately great writers. So don't think you have to have a fountain pen with a gold nib. You most instances you probably just don't need it. Yep. There's a few other metal types um, that there are available with nibs. We both have um, titanium on the way. We have titanium on the way. The Nexus Pen Fountain Pen Project filled, so I will be getting my first titanium nib. Yeah, I paid for mine yesterday. So Yeah. yeah. They say so, they're going to have it to me in November, so we'll see. That's great. And then, you know, there's other just random materials. Like I have a Visconti pen with a chromium nib. I can't even explain to you what the qualities are of that nib, but it's a very firm, uh, firm metal nib, and I actually like it. It's kind of neat. So in your steel nibs and your gold nibs, there's some standard sizes. Extra fine, fine, medium, and broad. That's obviously from smallest, thinnest line width to widest line width and these are just your standard there's a whole wide range of non-standard nib size that we'll talk about too and they differ country to country this is one of the most important things (laughs) for beginners who are buying their first fountain pen to understand and we bang on it bang on it bang on it you have to be aware of your country of origin to understand how their nib sizes work so a lot of western pens we're talking Germany, U.S., their extra fine, fine, medium, and broad nibs leave a much wider line than their eastern counterparts, uh, pins from Japan, for example. So a fine Lamy nib or a fine Pelican nib, both of those coming from Germany, will be much wider than the same fine nib on a Pilot or Sailor that has come from Japan. In my my feeling about this is and this is probably on complete biases but I'm going to go with it anyway the German style and like the western sizing feels more accurate so fine feels like a fine line and medium feels like a medium line etc I mean that, I, that could just be my kind of bias on it but that that's how I feel I will agree with you in general I, I will agree with you so what A general rule of thumb is if you have a fine German nib, that's going to translate to an extra fine Japanese nib. Um, Did I say that right? No, I think you got the wrong way around. I think that. (laughs) The Japanese, (laughs) let's do it this way. (laughs) The Japanese extra fine nib will translate into a German fine nib. How about that? So the Japanese is going to be about one size smaller, uh, relatively to its its German counterpart. Whoa, so, do a, you a, know someone just posted this in the chat room? Mm-hmm. Um, Ethosophical, mm-hmm. the Goulet pens nib nook. Yes. Wow, it's going in the show notes. They 
We'll have that in the show notes. And you can see they go all the way down to Platinum. The Platinum 3776 makes an ultra extra fine Japanese nib, nib which is a 1.0.1 uh, millimeter Japanese nib. It's like the finest stock nib you can buy. That is on their nib notes. So everyone should check that out. You can see you what can do that comparisons. The Platinum 3776. It's Century. called the UEF Ultra Extra Fine. It's uh, 0.1 millimeter. That's oh, about wow. the, the finest stock nib you can get. Like um, a, from any like vendor, a, like a high tech C or something. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've used one before, and they're pretty neat. I don't own one yet, but I, I will own one of those one day um, when they come out with more silver furniture op- options. Platinum is not a big fan of the the silver furniture. Most all of their pens are gold. So, one sorry, of these I interrupted you. No, that's perfect because that's a great resource because you can pick different nib sizes and compare them against each other on the same screen. So it's it's good. Now, outside of your standard nibs, you can get into specialty nibs, which I've kind of had become a fan of. Things like a stub nib, which is a more squared off rib nib with rounded edges. It gives you a smooth smooth writing experience, but with a more squared off line in your your north south lines and a very thin line in your east to west lines, if you will. Um, and then. An italic nib is a counterpart of the stub, but it gives a much, much sharper edge to the pen. It's not as smooth. It's a lot. It's a crisper line, if you will, but it, not everyone likes it because it's not as smooth as the stub nib. Um, flex nibs are awfully popular. Um, there's wide ranges of flex you can get. Some have just like a soft flex um, with just a little bit of flex in the nibs, some flex a little bit more. It's just something you'll have to read and learn about each particular pen. Um, then there's some really random nibs that, uh, really specialty nibs, like a music nib, which has a, um, it's basically got a double tine system, if you will. Um, it's got two tines. Instead of the single slit going down your pen, it's got three tines, two slits. Um, and then a zoom nib, um, which I can't even remember what that one is now. It's um, it's one of the uh, sailor specialty nibs, and I'm, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm you're on here. it. You're all over it. I'm doing. I'm looking around. You're poking the you're poking the nib nook. But no, the zoom nib. It's it's one that allows you to write okay, write in uh, so very big line variations. The sailor fountain pen of a zoom nib takes the place of a brush, holding the pen at a higher angle, produces a much finer line than when the pen is held at a lower angle. So when held at a normal angle, it the point delivers a juicy medium to broad line. So depending on the angle of the pen to the paper, depends on the thickness of the line. Yep, exactly. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the hardware, uh, the external hardware of the, the pen, the nib, the barrel, barrel materials, nibs. Um, so we're going to get into filling mechanisms, how to fill a fountain pen, how to clean a fountain pen. But first, we're going to do the pen blog of the week, which, if you're in the chat room, you knew this already. It's the clicky post. And it's not just because Mike Dudek was in there. Um, it is because I read his post on the Max Madco titanium retractable pen, which I love that pen dearly and i need to order one and then that reminded me that 
I don't think I've ever had uh, the Clicky Post as the pin blog of the week on the show. So I'm super excited to feature the Clicky Post as the pin blog of the week. Mike's reviews are amazing. His photography is awesome. It's a blog that all pin bloggers should live up to um, as far as style and quality goes. It's super, super excellent. So, and everyone knows I'm a fan of Mr. Dudek, and I'm holding one of his uh, various rotrings hostage right now. So, thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sent me a message a few days ago. I I still have his uh, prototype Karis Customs Inc, which he sent me <laughs> to try out like six months ago or something stupid. The dude is so awesome. He is a dear, dear friend to the show. He um, he's been on a couple of times, and he's he is an example of someone that has kind of like appeared whilst we have done this show. Yep. Um, and has now like become a full-on like pen addict you know he's well known for his road drink stuff um and you should also be checking out the fantastic products that he makes too uh you know i'm a fan and and you can find out all about these at clickypost.com just click the handmade goods and uh you'll see everything you want to know about that and we i have a couple of his fantastic products sitting on my desk right in front of me now so Yep, and uh, I'm obviously a huge believer um, as we collaborated with him on uh, our idea doc at Notco, so which is just it sells out every time we get them in. The dude can't make them fast enough, which is uh, uh, a credit to his awesome workmanship and design and collaboration with us. Everyone loves him so much. So thank you, Mike, um, for being awesome and being the pin blog of the week. Indeed. Right, so I take a break to thank our first sponsor. Yes, sir. So these are this is a company that we love very dearly, and uh, we're very, very happy that they're back to sponsor another episode, and that is Pen Chalet. Pen Chalet, they have all of your favorite brands and all of the favorite types of pens that you want to buy. They have brands like Monteverde, Pelican, Lamy, Pilot, Namiki, Sailor, and Caveco, and they sell authentic and authorized amazing rollables fountain pens ballpoints mechanical pencils and so much more they have very fast very reliable customer service they offer a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee on their fantastic pens that they sell one of my favorite things and i think one of our listeners favorite things about the pen chalet is the special discounts that they have and we have another special discount that i'm going to tell you about which is just for pen addict listeners in a moment but they are running special discounts for everyone all the time twice a month they have uh, special discounts that they run they have closeout specials every two weeks of things that they're they're sort of moving out of stock on they and they're always adding new styles of pens every single month as well as all the brands that I mentioned earlier, Pen Chalet sell limited edition pens and all of the accessories that you're ever going to need, like carrying cases, pen holders, refills, fountain pens, and so much more. They have free shipping on orders over $50 in the continental United States. They also have great rates when they're shipping overseas. They do ship internationally. Um, and also, don't forget, you can take advantage of the exchange rate if you are uh, on the other side of the pond. So go to penchalet.com and you want to use the code PENADDICT with anything that you have in your cart. That's going to get you 10% off your order. But the real trick is by clicking the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the code PENADDICT for even more savings. Don't forget to still use the code PENADDICT at checkout to get your 10% off. Here's the bit that everybody waits for every week. 
Here's our <laughs> special from Pen Chalet. So, today's special is a Sailor, is it 1911? Yes. Standard fountain pen in both black and demonstrator models. So, does they have uh, Pen Chalet have a few different color types, but this offer is only going to be on the black and demonstrator models in a range of different nib sizes. Pen Chalet are giving 25% off the standard price, and then if you use your 10% coupon code, Pen Addict, you will bring this pen down to an incredible $131.63. Now, the stock is limited on these, so you must act fast. There are varying different stock levels in different nibs, um, and obviously in the different colors. So if you want one, you want to get in and get it quick. The guys over at Pen Chalet wanted me to let you know that they stock a medium fine nib in some variations of this pen, which is actually quite similar to a fine that they have for other brands. As we mentioned earlier, this stuff differs from, from pen stockers to stockers. So if they run out of fine, a medium fine should serve you well. Brad, would you agree with that? I've actually become a huge fan of medium Japanese pens. Um, you know, I have been a hardcore, like extra fine, extra, extra fine, get all my nibs ground down to something like super microscopic. I'm actually coming, uh, moving back up the size range. So like a medium fine would be spot on for, for me. I'm, I'm really enjoying fine and medium, uh, Japanese nib pens more than my extra, extra fine ones, uh, of late. So yeah, medium fine would be perfect. So head on over to penchalet.com right now. Click that button on the top that says podcast. Enter the code penaddict and find your savings. Thank you so much to Pen Chalet for sponsoring Real AFM, for sponsoring the Penaddict, and for being a fantastic company to work with for our listeners. Thank you. Yes. I, as uh, the chat room reminds me, I love sailors. So, And I actually have what I was talking about before, how I'm doing this uh, – doing the show with a pen in my hand. I actually have my 1911, which isn't a model available on the pen chalet, but it's the same exact barrel. Mine is actually called a black luster. It's a little bit different. Um, it's got a different grip section, if you will. It's got a metal grip section, but I broke out the 1911 because it's the exact same barrel size, barrel design, barrel shape, barrel feel, everything. It's really, really good. Um, I, I can't recommend sailor nibs enough. Um, you go to clickypost.com. Mike's done a couple of uh, Sailor. After he borrowed my Sailor 1911, he's become a Sailor fan. Um, it's They make elite nibs. So I don't own a Sailor. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is the... Uh, this might be your opportunity. This might be my opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Real, highly, highly recommend Sailor pens. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Um, yeah. I, I can't say enough nice things about them. So, back into the Fountain Pen 101, the Sailor 1911 is a cartridge or converter filling mechanism. It uses, when you unscrew the barrel, you can fill this pen in two ways. It comes with, uh, actually it ships with an ink cartridge, I believe, when the uh, 1911 uh, ships. The Sailor has a proprietary ink cartridge, so you have to use Sailor cartridges for Sailor pens, and you'll find that with a lot of companies. Some do, some don't. Or you can use a Sailor converter with this pen. So the cartridge obviously comes with ink in it already. You just snap it into the pen, push it down, and you start writing. Cartridges are the easiest thing to work with 
on fountain pens, especially for beginners. Um, that's where a lot of people start. That's where I started. Um, they don't want to get into the fussiness of having a bottle of ink and learning how to fill a bottle of ink and making a mess and all those things. But the bonus of having a converter, which you can use on your sailor or any other pen, or not any other pen, but any uh, cartridge converter pen, is you can use bottled ink. You pop in the converter into the barrel, into the nib unit. You stick the nib into the ink, and you twist the uh, twist the end of the converter, and it sucks up the ink, and you're ready to write. So it's converters are really really simple. It's probably the most popular filling system for fountain pens. Um, it's very easy. Don't let it intimidate you at all. Anyone who's considering getting into fountain pens, cartridges are great. I have a cartridge in this 1911 right now because I like this particular ink um, that uh, Sailor makes. It's Sailor Nano Blue Black. It's a killer ink. I'm using those cartridges, but it also comes in a bottle ink. So if I have, um, I have a converter for this, I can uh, use it with a bottle as well. So it's the ultimate um, inflexibility in pens. The next step up is probably a piston filler, which is an, another extremely popular filling mechanism for a pen. This is what you're going to get like on Twisbees, on Pelicans. It's where there's no um, there's no inside of the barrel that you can easily access. The end of the pen basically screws off and allows for a plunger to go down in the barrel. So you unscrew the back end of the barrel that lowers the plunger. You dip the nib into your bottle and then you screw the back end of the barrel back in and that plunger just pulls, sucks up the ink into the pen. It's kind of a built-in filling system, if you will. That's the best way to describe a piston filler. It's all built in. There's no extra parts like cartridges or converters. But that's the kicker for someone who wants a cartridge. It's not an option for a piston filler. It's so ink bottle only. Piston fillers are my favorite, but my, my main problem with the piston filler mechanism is typically in pens that have a piston filler, there's no sort of indication as to how much ink you have. Like it's mm -hmm. it's difficult to, to, to get an indication. Some pens have a window, but the window only shows you up to the point where the window is. Right. So also as well, like you have to be uh, kind of cautious of the way that you fill the pen. No, I, I know I'm probably jumping ahead looking at the document, no. but I, um, Mr. Thomas Hall gave me a uh, really great tip about filling with a piston filler. Um, this is probably, you know, to, to, to you, Brad, you probably know this, but this is, I guess, good for the 101. So what you should do is you should have the pen uh, just in standard. You don't unscrew it or anything. You put it into the bottle of ink and then you kind of, you unscrew it so it fills up then you screw it back the other way so it empties and then you fill it because mm. what you're doing is pushing all the air out. So you, when you bring it in, you're bringing in air bubbles originally. You mm -hmm. push it all out so you're pushing the air bubbles back into the ink so then when you draw the ink back up again, you've expelled all the ink from the, the mechanism. Yeah, that's a great tip and that gives you the, the maximum fill. Mm-hmm. So, and that's right about the piston fillers, you know, unless it's a demonstrator, um, you have a hard time managing the 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 ink capacity or knowing exactly where you stand. Whereas a cartridge converter pen, you can just unscrew the barrel, see how much ink is left in the cartridge or converter. So the, the eyedropper is kind of the next most popular. So cartridge converter and piston fillings mechanisms, those are going to compromise 
the vast, vast majority of fountain pens. Um, the eyedropper filling system, a bulb filling system, a vacuum filling system, a squeeze filler system, all those things are kind of um, not as popular as the rest, but some people swear by them. Um, you know, something like an eyedropper fill is something that I've just got into uh, recently. And what the eyedropper allows, that allows for maximum ink capacity in a pen barrel. But the barrel has to be made to handle that. And with the eyedropper, it takes a lot of extra maintenance because you have to, it can only be on a, like an acrylic pen, like a, a plastic type pen. Um, because you have to seal off those seals with silicone grease and on a metal pen, it doesn't work as well. I still haven't gone anywhere near this. <laughs> it works really well. Um, the Franklin Kristoff pen. Um, you want to read about a pen when you're purchasing that it's actually built to handle eyedropper fill. You can't, some people can, there's other pens that people have just converted that really aren't marketed as such marketed as an eyedropper fill. Um, but really what people use it for is for the huge ink capacity that's available with them with an eyedropper fill, like two to three times as much, um, with a, with a, uh, eyedropper fill as with a cartridge or converter. So that's why people enjoy them, but there are risks and maintenance issues involved with eyedroppers. I haven't have a problem yet, but I don't do it a lot either. Um, I usually just carry like one pen with a, that's filled as an eyedropper. So now filling these fountain pens, um, we've kind of gone through, um, I did want to say, and it's not really a fountain pen 101 thing, but it's something I do frequently is, with cartridges, like the Kaweco AL Sport, it really only fits cartridges. Now, they have a converter, but it's really bad. It's a squeeze converter. I've never gotten it past a half a fill on a, the squeeze converter. A squeeze converter is theoretically like a regular converter. You put the converter in the nib unit, dip the nib into the ink, and then you just kind of push it kind of like a button. And, you know, that air moving in and out sucks in the ink. Well, the Kaweco one's so small, it doesn't really fill up very much. So what I do with a lot of cartridges is I have a syringe that you can buy from someone like Goulet Pens or Anderson Pens. And that way I can use a bottled ink, you know, like my favorite, you know, uh, Pilot Orochizuku Shinkai and put it in a Kaweco AL Sport by cleaning out an old cartridge that I've used up and... um syringing in ink from the bottle into the cartridge and then popping the cartridge right into like the Kaweco L Sport, for example. I do that all the time um, just as an easy way to not have to go to a converter um, on pens that don't easily take them. So that's just a, a quick filling tip, not necessarily a 101 thing, but there are options for pens that take cartridges to fill with bottle ink, and that's one of the ways. Um, cleaning is a big deal. And something I can get lots of emails about how to clean a fountain pen. And I use some very, my, my method is very simple and very effective, I think. But it does require one extra thing. And you can also get this at Anderson Pens or Goulet Pens. And that's an aspirator. And if you don't know what an aspirator is, um, if you see a picture of one, you'll know exactly what it is. It's basically the snot sucker that uh, 
people use for babies <laughs> to suck snot out of their nose. Oh. <laughs> it's a nasal aspirator. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> well, that's what it is. It's the best fountain pen cleaning tool I own. So what I do, all I do to clean my fountain pens is I unscrew them. I run water through the cartridge or converter, usually the converter. Um, I just run water through that, um, bringing the water in and out of the converter till it's clean, till it's showing clear. And then I take the nib unit, run that under the water. Then I fill up the aspirator and I stick it on the feed, um, you know, where the cartridge or converter would normally go and shoot that water through the nib and the feed. And it clears it out so quickly it's much better than just running the pen underwater it's much better than soaking it under overnight it's faster it's definitely definitely the way to go with the aspirators and then after you've kind of cleared it out and got the uh all the um ink out you can use it without water in it and push air through to help dry it out it's a super super handy tool costs you about two bucks and it's totally the way to go when cleaning a fountain pen it's not rocket science to clean a fountain pen don't let it intimidate you um it's just uh it's just one of those things and one of those tools that really changed how i thought about uh cleaning fountain pens so i highly highly recommend that um getting an aspirator to shoot water through those shoot the through the nibs and help get them help get them cleaner so there's kind of uh We'll talk about it when I, I got a few Twitter questions about this, and there's kind of three things that are involved in your whole fountain pen experience. There's the pen itself, there's the ink you use, and then there's the paper you use. So we're not going to get totally into all those things. We're not going to get into paper today, but I did want to talk about ink and how it performs um, when using a fountain pen. So there's a few terms we use frequently when we're talking about ink and how it behaves. And like I said, all these things are determined they're they're not in a vacuum right they're determined by what nib what size nib you're using what ink you're using and what type of paper you're using everyone could have a different uh different performance with these aspects like the bleed bleed is when you're writing on a page and it looks like the ink soaking into the page and um going through to like the other side of the page and the ink starts getting on the, the page behind the one you're writing on. That's ink bleeding through the paper. Feathering is what we call when the ink, you're writing on the page and the ink spreads out horizontally. You can see like little spidering through the pa paper fibers um, and the ink just kind of soaks into the page. It may not necessarily bleed through to the back side of the page, but you can see it spreading on the top of the page. That's feathering. Um, what I call show through is where the the ink you can see the ink through the back side of the page, not necessarily from bleed or feathering, but it's just like you can see um some people call it refer to it as ghosting. You can see like ghost writing on the back side of a page um to where it might be so severe you couldn't use the back side of the page if you use both sides of the page to write on. Dry time is something that fountain pen users all take into consideration. They want to be sure that their ink and their paper choice and their nib choice is going to allow for a reasonable dry time. Some people look for a very, very fast dry time, like Mike's left-handed. He might want a very, very fast drying pen and ink and paper combination so as not to smudge when he's writing. 
um, it's very important. For me, being right-handed, it's not as important to me. Um, I will use an ink and paper, especially like a Rhodia, where the ink will stand up on the page a little bit more because it's smoother, um, because I don't necessarily have to worry about smudging as much, but dry time is very, very important to a lot of people. Um, ink saturation and ink shading are two properties of inks that people either love, hate, or deal with. Saturation is kind of how deep the color is um, on the page. A saturated ink doesn't shade a lot. Shading is when there's a different range of colors in a single line of ink. Like you'll find a lot of blues, like a lot of turquoise blues, have a range from a lighter shade into a darker shade. If that line was solid instead of shaded in those different um, different colors, it would be a saturated line, like one solid color line. That's a saturation. Now, if the line has a wide range of colors, that's the shading of the ink. So an ink's not usually saturated and a shading ink. They're usually separate, although I guess there there could be uh, could be cases where there there is. Uh, I guess, uh, kind of in conjunction there with the types of inks. But, you know, when I do ink reviews, you can get really, really deep in ink reviews. And that's not something I do because I don't, there's, you know, I, I'm trying to do kind of the most common use case scenario. Like, I don't do a lot of waterproof testing on my fountain pen inks just because that's not a huge consideration for me. And it's definitely a consideration for some people, and I'm not discounting that. But when I do an ink review, I think the majority of the people want to see what it looks like, how it performs, how it dries, what's the shading look like, what's the saturation look like, does it bleed, does it feather. I'm not getting into um, necessarily waterproofness. Um, light fastness. There's some really extreme tests and there's lots of places online you can go to find all these great tests. I mean, these people spend hours and hours testing inks and doing all these wonderful tests on it. I'm just kind of coming from more of a, a standard use case um, scenario when I do an ink review. So mine are generally more simpler, but that's how I use pens. That's how I use fountain pens. And uh, I don't get bogged down in, in some of the other things like that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that's kind of it on ink performance. There's a lot more we can get into. There's definitely a fountain pen 201 <laughs> course where you can talk about iron gall inks and different permanents and, and things like that and different behaviors and all of these topics. There's so much depth in these topics. We're just trying to cover cover the surface points here. And that's um, that's some of the basics. I got a couple more topics I want to get to, including one that I don't consider fountain pen 101, but some people very much are interested in this topic and there was a great post made this week so we're going to talk about that in just a minute right mike we sure are before we do that we need to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode of the pen Addict podcast and that is squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website portfolio and online store for a free trial and 10 percent off visit squarespace.com and use the offer code inc at checkout a better web starts with your website. If you are listening to this show and you think, hey, I wouldn't mind trying some of that pen reviewing stuff, well, you too can be like Brad and have your very own pen blog. You don't have to worry about all the tricky parts. Just go to Squarespace and get started 
with one of their beautiful templates. You can very easily build your pages with the fantastic drag and drop page building system. It's all within your browser and you can see the changes you're making update in real time. Squarespace take care of everything. Web hosting, image hosting and even podcast hosting if you would like to have a show just like ours. And what if you want to run a store like Knock? Well, that's really easy to do too as our friends over at Knockco run their store on Squarespace. They run the whole site there. They run the store there. Every Squarespace website features Squarespace commerce, so you can set up your own store and start selling physical and digital goods immediately. They integrate with Stripe for payments and loads of other awesome services like ShipStation to help you run a fantastic and efficient business. Squarespace take all of the pain away from building your own professional or business website. They have awesome templates that you can choose from that look good on all devices. They have great apps to allow you to manage your site and your stats on the go. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support over live chat and email with teams located in New York City, Dublin and Portland. You can get started with Squarespace plans that start at just $8 a month. This also includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can try a free trial right now with no credit card needed and start building your website today. When you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code INC, that's I-N-K, that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for The Pen Addict. We'd like to thank Squarespace for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Can't recommend them, the, recommend them enough, Mike. They're Good. awesome, and they continue to be awesome. Um, it's been a couple years now since I've had my site on Squarespace, and uh, I, I really, really love it. And uh, obviously, uh, we use it in other places, too. We use the, Re- the Relay FM blog as a Squarespace site. Yes, sir. All right, so we got a couple of uh, quick points I wanted to mention from the chat room. And before we move on, uh, one, Ethosophical made an excellent point, which I wanted to mention, so I drive it home. Um, but basically, and where'd it go? It vanished Uh-oh. off my screen. All right. So here it is. The best thing for a pen, as I understand it, is just to use it a lot. The more ink that goes through it, the cleaner ultimately it will be. So I think the, the takeaway is that you have to, use, if you're using a fountain pen and you ink up a fountain pen, it needs to be used. You can't just let it sit for weeks and months on a time. It's going to it's going to start to clog up. The performance is not going to be as well. The nib's going to get dirty. The ink's not going to flow as well. And if your expectation is that you can fill a fountain pen with ink and let it sit for weeks and months without using them, you're going to have a bad time. It's not going to work well. So try not to have too many ink pens inked up unless you're a really, really heavy, dedicated fountain pen user. Um, I have... I think I have eight inked up right now, and that's too many for me. I need to be like around three to five at the most. Um, I have a hard time getting there, but that's kind of the right rotation for me to be able to use the pens enough and to ensure that they're staying clean and staying functional. Um, So use your fountain pens. If you're inking them up, it's made to be used. Use them. Don't let them sit too long. If they're sitting too long, just clean it out and file it away for next time. There's uh, nothing wrong with doing that. Also, um, Mikey React wanted to know about why using, well, the pros and cons of using a bottled ink. And what I told him is that goes back to the general question, why fountain pens? Cartridges are easier to use. Um, They're more portable. They're less fussy. 
but the whole reason why I use fountain pens and why a lot of people use fountain pens is customization. I can pick an ink in a beautiful color that's not available in a cartridge. You're very limited on cartridge ink colors and match it with a pen, match it with a writing style that I want to do, match it with a notebook. I really have the ultimate choice in using a bottled ink. The ink's the same if you have, you know, if you're using Pilot Blue Black ink cartridges or Pilot Blue Black ink from a bottle, it's the same ink. So in that aspect, there's nothing different. If you want to use a cartridge, great, use a cartridge. But you're not going to be able to get the huge range of colors like you can get in Pilot Oroshizuko inks or Diamine inks or any ink out there, Roaring Klingner, that I love so much, to be able to really suit your personality, your style, your tastes. So that's why I get into bottled inks a lot. And that's how we talked why we talked about last episode, how, you know, I have enough to last me for all of eternity. <laughs> um and Mikey also asked about a method of storage when you don't use them. Should it be emptied or filled with water? They should absolutely be empty. Um store all your fountain pens dry, empty. In a cool, shaded climate, um, just like with other possibly sensitive goods, um, you want to, um, you know, you want to keep track of them, take care of them, um, make sure they're stored away properly and um, laid flat, definitely dry. So one of the big questions I get, and Mike, you also mentioned this last episode, and you and I are experiencing this actually right now as we release this episode, flying with fountain pens. So you're scared of doing it. I'm scared of doing it. But our friend at Modern Stationer is not scared of doing it. And I think he's in the chat room. Yeah, he's in the chat room. Doug's in the chat room. Hey, Doug. Doug's pen, Doug's pen, Doug's post on flying with fountain pens from about a week ago was awesome. He gave like a current, uh, Doug must be a a, a big traveler. And uh, he has a whole setup um, that he goes through. This is really more than Fountain Pen 101, but I get this question so much. It's it's definitely worth pointing out. You should go read this post. I don't know if it's going to change me yet, Mike. Nothing will change me. I'm being serious about this. <laughs> nothing. No, nothing anybody yeah. can ever tell me will make yeah. me cool of it. So Doug is an experienced traveler. He has worked through different scenarios with his Fountain Pen carry while traveling in a plane let's make that specific this is plane traveling where you're dealing with the pressure variations that cause fountain pens to have a problem doug is a braver man than i i am willing to admit but this post gave me some hope that maybe i will convert to a full-fledged fountain pen travel carrier um i admit that i'm getting ready that i'm traveling and I will be taking a fountain pen, but it will be a cartridge-filled fountain pen. So I can cartridge it when I arrive, and I will be carrying a Fisher Space pen or something more stable <laughs> until I can actually go full Doug and um, and complete my travel setup with uh, fountain pens. But it, the, the fact is, I just don't travel enough to... Um, really put the put the time into like deciphering how to do this but Doug has a great post it'll be in the show notes at modern stationer so thanks Doug for for doing that post it's something I will link to frequently thanks for your attempt <laughs> <laughs> all right so I got a few questions we'll wrap this up on what some other uh, Twitter followers wanted to know about um, 
the Fountain Pen 101, getting started with fountain pens are just some of the basics. So Pete Dennison mentioned uh, a little on use would be great. Grip, orientation, angle, pressure, posted versus non. He says it's subjective, but your thoughts would be great. <coughs> Excuse me, Mike. I don't really have anything to say about grip or mm-hmm. orientation. I don't really know I have a lot to say about any of these things. I don't put a lot of pressure on my fountain pens. Um, yeah, so I, the, I never have posted. Yes, yeah, so the two the two primary takeaways here are angle and pressure. So angle, you just at least have to have the nib in. Each nib has what's called a sweet spot. And if you're not holding the pen at the right angle, it's going to feel rougher. And if you move it a little bit, you can feel the smoothness kind of shift. So there is a certain angle that you have to hit. It's There's kind of a, there's a range. You're not like totally forced to use it at a certain angle but there is a range where you should hold a fountain pen to get the best performance out of it pressure should always be light and that's something i struggle with i'll never forget the first time i sat down in front of mike masayama to have him grind one of my pens and he's like oh you press hard and i didn't even realize it and you just have fountain pens require a very light touch um it's a very big challenge of mine i still write um, very firmly with a lot of pressure. Um, posted versus non is totally subjective. I'm a non-poster. Um, it just feels more comfortable for me um, to not post the cap on the end of my pen. Um, I don't know. It just feels right to me. And I used to not be that way, but now I, I don't even post the gel ink pens that I use. I hold the cap in my hand or set it on the table, kind of like Mike. I think you do the same thing. I sometimes hold the cap. Mm-hmm. She's just something that i do but yeah. yeah same here i i can't use pens posted yep yep so kim ace h asked about basic cleaning tools needed in the frequency i covered the basic cleaning and the tools frequency i'd say if you're going a month without really using a pen and there's still a lot of ink in it that's kind of my it's not a hard fast rule but that's kind of my uncomfortable point where I'm like, yeah, I think I just need to go ahead and clean this pen out and either refresh it, get a new, um, new ink fill or, um, just clean it and file it away for next keeping maybe two months. Um, it's just something each pen's going to be a little bit different. Some don't, some are more airtight than others. So some will be able to handle longer term ink. Like someone in the chat room was talking about the, uh, the platinum 3776 is designed to hold ink longer because it, um, it's airtight on the, in the cap has a, um, airtight seal. So it doesn't need to be cleaned as frequently. I tend to clean more frequent than normal just, uh, because it's me. Um, rich says key practical differences between fountain pens and ballpoints for carrying them around, refilling, carrying for them, storing them. It's definitely more work. Um, it's more fussiness. You have to it's be a more, little bit more careful with them. It's definitely more care. Um, you have to, you can't just throw a fountain pen in a backpack pocket, then sling the backpack around um, without, you know, the pen, the ink might, you know, come out the nib a little bit into yeah. the cap of the pen but things like that make a little bit mess they're not going to catch fire right but yeah you have to you have to appreciate that if you do those things like i do sometimes you're going to take the cap off and there's going to be some ink spots on the nib you know? yeah so you don't you do have to accept that there are extra challenges with fountain pens 
um, you know, they're not necessarily, if you're going to go out camping and the weather is going to be poor, a ballpoint pen is going to work better. Um, there is some common sense aspect to that, but, you know, practicality wise, you know, fountain pen, it, it's just different, but that's why we all like them so much because it can suit me better for certain things. And it's, that's also particular to me and only me. So there's certain reasons why I would choose that. It doesn't necessarily go for everybody. So there are differences and, you know, hopefully, you know, some of these tips will help and will help you be, you know, uh, willing to try out a fountain pen if you've never tried one before. Um, John May had a question says new fountain pen or use vintage fountain pen for beginner's choice. Absolutely new. Your vintage fountain pens are awesome. But if you think fountain pens are fussy, getting a vintage fountain pen requires a lot of additional thought on top of what you would normally experience with a modern fountain pen. Just so if you're getting started, I say go modern, understand what you like, do some research, and then go vintage. Um, Vintage can be much, much, much more fussy and finicky, Um, especially for beginners. I would hate to have someone turned off. you know, from buying an older pen and having a really tough time with it. So, um, let's see. Uh, Jeremiah, and I think we'll end it on this. Our good friend Jim Cant on Twitter, he said, drop a warning or two about how it's the path down into the void. It will consume you, especially your wallet. And I think we all know this by this point. So if you're a beginning fountain pen user, understand that it's the old Lay's potato chip thing. No one can eat just one. It's definitely a path down into the void. It will become all your research time, all your spare time, filling inks, organizing inks, cleaning pens, but it's the best kind of consumption you can have. It's really uh, mentally freeing for me to use a fountain pen, to clean a fountain pen, um, to be involved in any kind of pen at all. It's just, um, it's a very uh, mental thing for me and a very fun thing for me. It's a great hobby. Um, It doesn't cost a lot of money. It doesn't require a lot of work, but it gives a lot of um, enjoyment. You get a lot of enjoyment out of it for what it is. And, you know, that's why I write the blog and that's why I do this podcast because it's fun to talk about these topics and share these topics amongst everyone and get feedback from everyone and help people out and have people help me. And um, it's it's very, very good. And uh, if you've never used a fountain pen, guys and gals, I think you should try one and uh, check it out. Sounds great. Thank you. To tell thank you, you for sir. pulling that together, and thank you to everyone who sent in uh, some uh, suggestions, some questions. Uh, if you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 120. Thank you so much to our fantastic sponsors this week, Pen Chalet and Squarespace. You want to go and check those guys out. I am iMike on Twitter, I-M-Y-K-E. Brad is at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. And of course, Brad writes at penaddict.com. We'll be back next week of another episode of The Pen Addict. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>